Hello, hello, everyone. Here we are. Episode one of Art is Evil. And I'm excited. I'm stoked to be with you guys. Mainly stoked because I finally get a place to just like ramble about stuff that I like. <laughs> and I'm honored that anyone would care enough about that to actually listen. So if you're here, if you're listening to me, what an honor it is. Thank you for being here. We're going to dive right into this episode because we have a lot to talk about. If you read the title, you know, you know, this episode is all about Disney's Mulan and not the 2020 version. We're going to save that tragedy for another episode because it is a mess. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. I don't know. Don't cancel me. I don't know. I promise I have an opinion about it for another time. All right. With that out of the way, are you ready? Because here we go. So we're going to start with some background info on Mulan before we get too deep. But first, I just want to let you know, be thou warned, be, be thou warned. This episode will definitely contain spoilers to the 1998 version of Disney's Mulan. <laughs> However, it's literally been like 24 years <laughs> since this movie came out. So if you have not seen yet Disney's Mulan, the original 1998 version on VHS, the green VHS, not the black one. You know, you guys remember they used to make those green VHS uh, tapes for the Christian kids listening to this? You know, remember when they made like those VeggieTales green VHS tapes? This is all an aside. <laughs> this is a digression. Uh, many of these will happen <laughs> in the future in this episode and more to come. So all this to say, if you haven't seen Mulan <laughs> by some mystery or magic, pause this episode, go watch Mulan you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, it will be a journey, and, uh, and then return, because um, you don't have to have seen it to, to listen to this episode, but it helps. So, moving on. I, I love Mulan. Um, Mulan has probably been my favorite of the original animated Disney movies ever since I saw it as a kid. It's one of those movies that's really... Um, emotional for me. And I don't know why any of you guys have movies like that where like you're watching it and you're just kind of teary the whole time, or you're kind of emotional or like nostalgic. And it's like Mulan is a movie like that. Um, there's plenty of movies like that. Lord of the Rings, uh, especially the third one, return of the King is a movie like that for me where I'm just like, I start it and then I'm just like teary <laughs> the whole time. I'm just like super emotional. Um, it just runs deep. Um, but as a kid growing up, I, I basically just had, I think I, I, I loved it so much because number one, it had like the most blatant violence and warfare of all the original Disney movies. And I was like a maniac growing up, like classic hyperactive ADHD kid. Um, like there's this, I still remember my brother and I were watching recently, like a couple years ago, this like Christmas home video of me, of, of us, like at like at a, um, some like friend of the family's house. 
And I don't know how we have this video, like this footage. I, I don't know who recorded if it was him or like someone else, but it's like, it's like follows this journey of him and I like going around this person's house and just causing mayhem, mostly me and like <laughs> roping him into nonsense, like destructive shenanigans. Um, but I was a maniac as a kid. And so because it had like the Huns, right. And like warfare and like swords and action. I was like, oh, this is the coolest, like Disney movie. Um, also this was like prime Eddie Murphy, like golden era, Eddie Murphy voicing animated characters, um, era, right. Does Eddie Murphy even voice any other animated characters other than Mushu? I don't even know. Actually, he probably does. There's some, if I was Joe Rogan, I would tell Jamie to, <laughs> to bring that up on the, <laughs> on the thing. Um, but as I got older and became more thoughtful, I think I found myself connecting more deeply with Mulan, with the movie in general and with her as a character. Like on the surface, Mulan is so interesting. It's such a deep movie. Like on the surface, it's just this funny, like action packed movie with one of the best training montages, right? Of all time. I'll make a man out of you. Like fantastic. Um, super catchy. By the way, another side, remind me before this episode is over, I'm probably going to forget, but remind me to mention like a high school production version, like high school, high school play version of this song that I was a part of in high school of I'll make a man out of you. Okay. So Mulan, I love it because of the layers in the story. And I have found the older I've gotten, if we listen enough, the layers are the message that the layers are telling us is so, they're just so strong. They're so good. So quick example, quick example of that. So there's this scene with Mulan and her father um, in, in the garden at her house, right? Early on. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's this scene with Mulan in her father in this garden and there's like these cherry blossoms outside and it's super beautiful, right? And in this part in the movie, she's just like totally failed the matchmaker inspection, right? And she's sitting outside alone and he, he like, he comes to her and, and the writers have created this, this whole like song earlier in the movie, right? Where it's, it's all about gender and what it means in the society to be female and bringing honor to her family by being attractive and silent and having sons for men. And she just failed the whole thing. Right. And and her father comes out and she's like super dejected and we kind of expect him to kind of echo the sentiments, right, of, of, of her society, the one that's depicted in the movie. We expect him to like be disappointed and like angry like everyone else. And he's just like not, right? Like she can't even look at him and he's just like quiet and like a little stoic, but like more compassionate than you expect him to be. And he believes in her. He believes in her beauty and her own way. And, and, you know, he has this line where he's like talking about the, the cherry blossoms and he's like, you know, look, look at this cherry blossom. This one's a little bit late, but when it blooms, it will be the most beautiful of them all. And you kind of get this message like that she's, even though she just like failed everything, that she's enough in his eyes, at least to him. And man, like, don't we all hear, don't we all just like long to hear that same thing? Oh, it's already, we're already getting deep. We're already getting deep. So before we get in too deep, a little bit of background. So for those who don't know, the story of Mulan is really interesting. It's, it was originally an ancient poem written around the year 500. 
And while there's no evidence to, su- to suggest that Mulan was a real person, the story depicts a woman who volunteers to be a soldier in her father's place. So they got the main beat of the poem correct. This is really interesting. If you want, you should go look this up. Um, something I found interesting was there are actually a bunch of retellings of the poem of Mulan over the years. And in one of them, well, so a couple of them are kind of <laughs> kind of like wild. And this is classic Disney, right? Like kind of taking old folklore stories that are like super inappropriate for, for kids and like changing them into, uh, you know, into kids movies. Right. So in, there's a bunch of retellings of Mulan, like over the years in China. And in one of them, she actually leaves for 10 years from her family. She leaves for 10 years. And as the story goes, when she comes back, she like goes to her house and she changes back into the clothes of a traditional Chinese woman. Um, but her older buddies, like her war buddies, they come unexpectedly for a visit to her house. And in this version, her gender was never revealed in the army. So she makes it 10 years without anyone ever finding out, you know, that she's a woman the whole time. So she chooses that moment to reveal her gender. And her friends are like blown away that she was able to to hide her gender the whole time. So that's like one retelling. And another, it had, you know, in another retelling, it had been 10 years again, she returns and she finds out her father has since passed away. He has died. And she's so like distraught by this grief that she, of losing her father, that she goes to his tombstone and she, she ends her, her own life right on the tombstone and, and just dies there. And there's this it's an interesting, it's kind of a wild story. There's this whole like side quest where like after that, the story doesn't end and her sister picks up the Mulan quest and like marries, you know, the, the captain in the army. It, it, it gets super weird and random. Um, if you want more information about all this stuff, a great YouTuber is Jiran Zhejiao. I hope I said her name right. Um, she's a Chinese YouTuber and she made this awesome video um, about kind of all the differences between the original story uh, and the movies. I think it's called the difference between cultural Mulan and the movies. I could be wrong, um, but it's worth checking out. I'll put the link in the description for you guys. Okay, before we move on, let's take a quick break. personal story time before we continue. When I was 14 years old, my family moved. We had lived in a small town in Washington state for most of my like growing up years. And uh, my dad's a pastor, um, kind of an evangelical Christian pastor. So he had gotten this new job at a different church. And so we moved. And this move kind of wrecked me at the time. Um, number one, for all the classic classic reasons, like moves wreck you as a kid, as an early teen. Oh, I have the word early teen in my notes. <laughs> That's such a, if you grew up as a church kid, only like church people use the word early teen. You don't really find that word anywhere else. Anyway, um, this move wrecked me. I left all my friends, you know, the squad 
But most of all, it was a pretty big um, culture shock for me. And the reason was uh, my family is Caribbean, Canadian, American. What this means essentially is my parents, they, they're from the islands and my siblings and I, we had moved to Canada when we were super young, um, but then immigrated to the U.S. Uh, kind of at a young age as well. And we had kind of grown up in this predominantly Caucasian, upper middle class setting. And this new church where my dad had gotten this new job, right? He, it was an African-American church kind of um, in this, the heart of the city, and I'm not going to get into all the weeds of the differences in culture between Caribbean Americans and African Americans. Uh, maybe in another episode, that could be interesting. But at least for my 14-year-old self, there was a lot of differences. And what's more, what made this even worse is uh, I was the most stereotypically emo kid in 2005 <laughs> that you've ever seen in your life. We're talking like chokers, studded belts from Hot Topic. You know, you guys, if you're from this era, you know what I'm talking about or if you've seen the memes. Um, mostly black, but sometimes neon-colored skinny jeans. Those were a staple. And let's talk about skinny jeans for a second. Like, I was wearing tight pants before Hot Topic even made skinny jeans, at least to my knowledge. I could be wrong, but before they even really made skinny jeans for guys like you had to go to like American Eagle and buy double zeros from the girl section <laughs> and wear them so like I was an early adopter uh at the time so when I showed up at this church right which was in a part of Seattle where black folk definitely do not dress that way <laughs> I I was I I definitely stood out to say the least um and I remember there being this like, kind of like this video game sleepover night that the youth group at that church had. Um, and literally having like a borderline tantrum as a 14 year old in the car when my parents were dropping me off. Cause I did not want to go to this thing. Like, you know, they're trying to convince me to like, hang out, make new friends, like talk to people. And I'm like a fully grown teenager, you know, I mean, 14 is still young, but like, I, I'm like a fully grown teenager and I'm like crying and yelling. And I'm like, I do not want to go to this this thing. And I could not really articulate. I couldn't really articulate, I think what I was feeling at the time, but looking back, really what I was feeling was I just, I felt different, like the way that I, I dressed and the stuff I liked and the music I listened to and the way I talked, like everything was so different from them. And I was afraid they, they would see me for who I was and reject that and hate that. And looking back, I think I was asked I think I was asking the exact same question that the movie Mulan poses and answers which is the question who actually am I who actually am I And so my question for you is have you ever had anyone ask you that question recently who who are you And like I I know for me I I had that happen recently and and they asked me, like, who are you? Like, how would you describe yourself? And I was, I like froze. I was like, like, it's, it's hard to know how to answer. This is a really good exercise <laughs> I've actually found is like bring up a Word document or like on your notes app on your phone or whatever, like, like try and answer that question. Like just put that at the top, you know, as a heading, who, who am I? And then try and answer that. It's like, it's, it's pretty significantly difficult. Um, I think the reason for that is because it's one of those questions, right? It's, it's like, it's like a net, it's like the nesting doll of questions, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Those like, 
Russian dolls within dolls that just go kind of infinitely until they're super tiny. Um, it's, it's a question a lot like that because it's a question with so many questions within itself, right? Like who, who are you? It can also be asking like, what, what do you care about the most or where are you from or what do you look like or what do you like or what foods do you love? Right. Or what do you believe? Um, there's so many questions within that question and it's a question where how you choose to answer the question almost reveals more than what you say when you answer. Right. Does that make sense? It's a question where how you choose to answer almost reveals itself more, more than what you say when you answer the question. And I think it's because it's kind of, it's one of those questions. It's like, it's a, it's a question about foundational identity, right? Which is to say at the lowest or deepest or most fundamental level, what do you believe about yourself and where does that come from? And I love the story of Mulan, not only because the movie depicts Mulan asking this question about herself, but because the answer she finds, I would argue, is the exact answer we all long for ourselves in the end. So let me, let me show you guys briefly. So from the beginning, we see Mulan struggling with her identity, right? She lives in a culture depicted as highly patriarchal, right? I just said patriarchal right? It's just patriarchal. <laughs> I added another C. She lives in a patriarchal society. Now I'm second guessing it. Is it patriarchal or patriarchal? <laughs> patriarchal? Patriarchs? <laughs> Send me a message or, or comment which one it is. Cause I forget. Um, she lives in this culture dominated by men, right? Women are beneath men and men have no problem reminding them of this fact, right? And an example of that is Chifu, right? The, the kind of bumbling, um, you know, advisor to the emperor when Mulan attempts to volunteer in her, in her father's place, right. Kind of in, near the beginning of the movie, she, he like intercepts her. Right. And he's like, he says, he doesn't even speak to Mulan. He speaks directly to Mulan's father. And he says, you would do well to teach your daughter to hold her tongue in a man's presence. Right. So Mulan grows up in this male dominated culture and society and space. So very early on, pretty strict gender roles are established here, right? Women are meant to be quiet, graceful, attractive enough that a man will agree to marry them and then like have babies for them. And that's kind of their whole goal. And this is all kind of established in that first original song, right? That, that kind of like funny song that's at the very beginning where she's like getting ready for the matchmaker. It's establishing all these things a woman should and shouldn't be, right? Almost like a, a cultural framework, if you will. Um, the problem the problem here, though, is Mulan, she feels dissonance with this framework, right? She feels dissonance and disconnected from it, you know, from the little scenes scattered in between uh, in that little song beginning part. We learn, like, she's she's disorganized, she's innovative, she's intelligent, she has a mind for strategy, right? There's that little, like, scene in between where she, like, fin she, like moves uh, the strategy game piece for those two men that are playing, right? So it's, like, depicting her in this way where, like, the culture is, is coming towards her and saying, like, this is what it means to be a woman. This is what it means to bring honor to your family and to the empire. And she, she feels like she doesn't fit into that framework, right? And as a result, it seems as if it, it seems to depict her as if she's almost like a fraud in her own skin, right? As if everything her culture and family is telling her 
that she needs to be this person is like a part she can play. It's like this person, it's like this, this facade or this caricature, right. That she can, she can play as a person, but it's not really her, right. It's not really who she is. And this is when that classic, uh, Christina Aguilera song kicks in, right. Who is that girl I see staring back at me? Um, I would sing it, but I'm going to not. And I mean, it's a great song. It's a fantastic song, but, um, right. That, that's when we see her asking, I mean, that whole song is essentially the question, like, who am I? Am I, am I what others say I'm supposed to be? Like who, who, who am I really? When will my reflection show who I actually feel like I am on the inside? And then that deeper question, the one that, I mean, I would argue I was asking as a teenager before, you know, when I was like freaking out before going to this like youth group thing. And perhaps on some level, we all ask ourselves, if I were to actually be myself, if I were to actually be the real me, if I were, if I were to let all the walls and pretense and pretending and projecting and masks like fall away and just be myself, would that be enough? Would that be accepted? Would I be loved? This is a lot, right? This is like, ah, man, do you hear that question? Like that's all my queer friends just enter the chat at that question. Like, that's literally, wow. Um, if I were to actually be myself, would I be loved? Um, I just want to pause and acknowledge anyone who's ever felt this way. If you have felt this way, I think you are not alone. I think perhaps on some level, we, we all ask this question, no matter how um, hidden or behind the mask it is. Um, wow. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Um, I hope, I hope this is encouraging to you in some way. Um, we're going to, we're going to move forward. This feels like a tender, this feels like a tender spot, but we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. There's going to be more to come. We'll, we'll wrap it all up. Um, so the way the movie answers this question, right? That Mulan is asking in that song, if I were to be myself, would I be enough? Would I be loved? Would I be accepted? Would I be valued for who I am? Um, the way the movie answers this is actually to come full circle all the way back to the start, um, to that scene that I, I brought up in the, in the very beginning, the scene of Mulan and her father in the garden, right? They're outside of the house in this gar in this garden with all the cherry blossoms. Um, and it's, it's, it's the same scene and place, but it's very different circumstances, right? In the very beginning of the movie, she, she's like, just, you know, let, she let everyone down. She feels terrible. Her father consoles her. But at the end of the movie, there's another scene in the same garden where she comes back and meets to him. She comes back and meets with him. And um, it's under very different circumstances. So first a recap, and then we'll get to that garden. So Mulan saves the kingdom, right? It's a wild adventure. We laughed. We cried. We probably laugh when Mushu shows up on that panda, right? That's like my fa all-time favorite part of this movie, where Mushu shows up on the panda <laughs> to, uh, to 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 um, the advisor, Shifu, and he's like, what's the matter? I've never seen a black and white before. <laughs> That's like, hands down, my favorite part. Um, we probably, so we laughed, we probably cried when the emperor and all of China like bows to Mulan and like gives her honor, which by the way, this scene, like I cannot say enough about this scene. Like this is part of why I disliked the 2020 version of Mulan so much because I think this scene it's so strong. It's, it's just such a, a commentary on power oppression. It's, it's, it's doing so much of, I mean, it's literally the emperor, the source of Mulan's oppression, right? 
giving her honor above himself when according to his like cultural rule book, he shouldn't be, he should be executing her, but rather he, he chooses to, to lift her up and celebrate. It's just, it's so strong. I could do a whole, probably maybe we'll do a whole episode on that alone, but, um, for the sake of time, let's carry on. So Mulan saves the kingdom, right? And then she meets the emperor. He, and he gives her both the sword of Shan Yu, right? Who's, you know, the leader of the Huns, at least in the film, he's the leader of the Huns. By the way, a quick aside on Shan Yu, this guy who, by the way, number one, did you know his name was Shan Yu? Like he actually has a name. <laughs> and number two, um, he, he literally, he looks like a vampire. Like the way they've characterized him, his characterization is like, he literally, he looks borderline like, like a demon of some kind. Um, and we could talk about, you know, the ways that we demonize our enemies so that we can dehumanize them, but maybe that's also for another episode. Anyway, she meets with the emperor. We're all over the place, but it's okay. We're going to survive. Uh, she, she meets with the emperor and he hands her the sword of Shan Yu, right? Who she has just defeated. And she, ha he, the emperor hands her his personal medallion, right? So that the world can know what she has done. And then we get to that scene, right? The scene in the garden, the one where, uh, afterwards, you know, the, the, um, the grandma is like, would you like to stay forever? <laughs> Which is also like classic part of that movie. Um, but we get to that scene in the garden and there's that interaction between, between Mulan and her father. And, and I think this is where it all comes to a head. This is where, where like the writers have done such a good job because she has, she has the sword right in the medallion and she like rushes to her father. She doesn't even let him speak, right? She rushes to him. He's sitting out there in the garden and she presents them to him almost as if like these peace offerings, like these gift offerings. She's like naming what they are. Like this is the sword of Shan Yu who I defeated. And this is the medallion of the emperor himself. May they bring our family great honor. And right, and, and she like, she like bows like face first, right? Like her face pressed to the dirt, right? In this moment before him, before her father. And we realize in that moment, like if we're just, if we like step outside of the scene, right? We realize like the last time that her and her father even spoke was when they had that fight, you know, at dinner before she left, right? And, and he says to her, he kind of raises his voice and he's like, I know my place. It's time you learned yours. It's time you learned your place. So we're able to see like her father, though he is like far more compassionate than we expect, he's still kind of a fish in water in his culture and time. And, you know, she's trying to convince him like, you shouldn't go to war. Like, let me go for Let me fight in your place. And he, to him, like men go to war, women stay at home. So he, he, he has no room for that in his worldview. And they kind of have a, you know, like a yelling match and then she leaves and flees. And there's this, the scene where she like cuts her hair and, and she goes to war, right? She takes his sword and everything. Um, but in that scene in the garden where she bows, we realize, wow, they haven't even spoken since that moment. Right. And she has no idea if she will even be welcomed home after what she's done. Right. Because I guess, I think the movie sort of, it paints this image of like in that culture and, and, and time and space, like for her to do what she did, like she not only deserves death, but she has brought great dishonor to her family. Right. She's essentially exposed to the whole, to all of China. Right. She's exposed to like her army and commander, you know, when she's wounded and uh, on, on the mountain fight, right? She, there's that like that epic mountain fight where she like shoots the, the cannon, 
and she causes the avalanche and she like defeats the whole army. Right. But then she gets, she gets, you know, slashed. So she gets wounded and then she's like being healed in the doctor's tent. And then, uh, Shang, the captain, he comes in, right. And he sees that she's a woman, by the way, another quick aside, (laughs) when I originally saw Mulan, when I saw this scene, I was utterly confused. I must have been pre-puberty, I think, when I saw this. I don't know, because in 1998, I was maybe, what, I was like seven? I did not see this in theater, so it must have been maybe like nine or ten when I saw this, maybe? Um, but I was confused when I saw this scene, because I, I, I literally, it just went way over my head. I was like, like how, you know, because she's like, in the scene, she's like, her chest is wrapped with bandages, right? And it's... It's like the most Disney could do to, to show, you know, like her anatomy without like showing her anatomy. And I, I, I was just confused. I was like, huh? Like, how does that show that she's a woman? Um, yeah, that was me, uh, pre-puberty, 10-year-old me watching this movie. Um, but right, she's, I'm, I got off track again. So <laughs> she's exposed, right? There and then she's exposed at the capital city, right? Where the emperor, he's kind of listing all of her cardinal sins, right? He's like, you know, you, you impersonated an officer. You, you lied to your, to your, your commanding officer and your army. Uh, it, sorry, impersonated a soldier, lied to your commanding officer. You know, you deserve death. You know, you're, you're a woman. Um, and so she essentially, she's, she's like, this has been a public thing for Mulan, like, right? Like she, she's been in the public eye essentially for doing what she did. And so she returns home and it seems as if she almost brings these gifts from the emperor in, in hopes that she can somehow salvage her family's like destroyed honor, right? That, 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 that she can somehow fix what she broke, that, that somehow, you know, her father doesn't disown her or maybe even have her executed himself. Like, you know, she doesn't know. Right. And, and, um, and his response like in this moment, his, his answer to that, his response to that, um, you know, um, in some ways this has been attention of the entire movie, right? We're not sure how the father's going to respond and his response, he couldn't even care less about the gifts she brings, right? He, he drops them instantly onto the ground. He falls to the ground in front of her and he just embraces her. And the language that he has is, the words that he, that he says to her is the greatest gift and honor is having you as a daughter. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's the moment, right? That's, as I've gotten older, this scene always brings tears to my eyes. Um, and for a while, I, I did not know why, <laughs> like I would just get to this part of the movie and I would just become like teary and weepy, like, you know, and as I was saying earlier, like this movie always, it kind of makes me emotional, um, and always had for a while. Um, but the scene in particular, I think resonates. Um, and after some time, I, I think I just realized that like this scene is it, like somehow the writers and animators and voice actors and, and everyone involved in this, in this movie, especially in this scene, like somehow they got it. Like they hit the nail on the head. They got it right. They answered not only the question, but the, like the question that I was saying earlier, right? Like, who am I? They answered not only this question, but the question underneath the question, which is, am I enough? Right? Like, 
so th- somehow they were able to answer both questions in one scene. And I think, um, I think part of the reason the scene resonates and, and does this so well is because Mulan has been on this long journey, right? The whole, the whole movie, she's been on this long journey and in the process, like her friends, Mushu, and even Captain Shang and even the Emperor <laughs> at some level have accepted her for who she really is, right? Because this is her whole story arc. Like she feels in the beginning, like if she were to be who she really is and feels like she is, she would never be accepted, never be loved, never be valued that she would. And so she just kind of feels like destined to be this imposter in her own skin, right? Because there's no way if she could ever be her true self that she would ever be accepted and loved, that that she could ever hear the message that you're enough, Um and so along the way of this journey, there's just like acceptance and acceptance, like her friends, you know, um, Xi'an Po, uh, Yao, King of the Rock, and uh, Ling. Was it Ling or Ping? It was Ling, I think. Um, they all, you know, and even Captain Shang and the Emperor, they all accept her for who she is. But she still has this like uncertainty about her father, right? She seems to, at least in the movie, she seems to have this uncertainty about her father. She, she doesn't know, right, the entire time if she can fix what's broken but his answer to her that you know like it's almost as if he says you being who you are like the real you is enough it's enough like enough in my eyes and and having you as a daughter is an infinite honor in and of itself you don't have to add anything to your existence to bring more honor to me or fix anything and that's that's it. Like that's, that's why Mulan hits like, at least for me. And I think that's, that's why for me, it's so, it it feels so emotional, especially in that scene, because at the core, it, it seems to be this affirmation of the inherent dignity and value and worth and enoughness and beauty of every person. And when I watch it, I take it as an affirmation of the divine posture towards every person, towards me, towards you, towards every human in the world, every person that has ever lived and ever will live, that the the real me, the real me, not the fake or facade or mask or thing I think I have to put on, you know, to be accepted, but the real me and the real you is loved on an infinite and measureless scale. That nothing that we could ever do or believe or eat or drink, that, 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 that no action or step that we take, um, that no distance or nearness or farness, um, that no um, you know, choice for who we love could ever change this infinite measureless love and posture towards us. And I just wanted, I guess, I wanted to ask you and myself in response to this part of this movie, like, do, do we believe that about ourselves? Because, wow, that's, that's literally, I mean, I would argue it's, it's one of the hardest things to believe about yourself. Um, it makes me think of one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite thinkers, um, and writers, she says, um, um, sometimes believing that we are loved by God is the work of a lifetime. Oh man, I think that's so true. At least that's been my experience. Maybe it's been yours. If it has, maybe tell me about it. If not, also tell me about it. 
I would love to hear that. Um, but isn't, isn't that strong? That's, that's so, that's so strong. It, it, it also echoes back to, um, an ancient proverb from the Christian tradition. Maybe you've, you've heard the story. Um, it's, it's a story of a son. He insults his father. He takes his inheritance and he leaves home and he ends up blowing all this money, right? He's just like getting lit. He's, he's wasting all the money on whatever. Um, and he returns home um, eventually because he, he gets into such a bad way where he has no money left. He's basically like living in a pig pen, feeding pigs and eating pig food. And he, and he finally thinks to himself, wow, like if I go back home, like at least maybe my father will accept me as a slave in his home. You know, like even being a slave to my father in his house would be better than this. And so he heads home and as he gets closer to the house, the house gets an eye shot eye shot. Is that a term? <laughs> I don't know. As he gets closer to the house, the house, you know, comes into view. The father sees him and runs out to meet him. And the son has this whole speech prepared, right? The, the son has this whole like speech and he, you know, he's just like, you know, I, 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 I just hope that I could be a slave in your home. And the father doesn't even seem to hear the speech, almost like Mulan's father, right? He doesn't even seem to hear the speech. He just dismisses it totally. He puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his shoulders, and he shouts, my son has returned. I rejoice because he was dead, but now is alive. He was lost, but now found. Oh, see, this is exactly why, guys, like, we're all telling the same stories. And this is episode one, so this is the first time you're going to hear me say this, but it's, I really believe it to be true. We are all telling the same stories. Like, it's Mulan, but it's also the prodigal son, but it's also any number of any other story. Like, oh, so good. So strong. Okay. Let's close. Let's, let's close this. Um. I want to close with a prayer um, for you and for me and for us all. Um, and maybe prayer is not helpful language to you. Um, I know that for um, a long time in my life, uh, the word prayer um, was not a life-giving term for me. So I, I don't know uh, what would be better. Um, maybe meditation is helpful to you or a posture, like a verbal posture going forward. Um, but whatever language you find to be helpful, um, sometimes I think it is beneficial to put into language things that I've learned in integrating them into my life. So if I can just, if I can just create language around it and verbalize them into the, you know, into the world, I think that there is, uh, something that takes hold within myself. Um, so let's, let's, let me say a prayer for you. May we remember the tale of Mulan as we live in the space between gardens, as we wander on the frozen mountain, as we work. Let us be more like the cherry blossom, deeply rooted and free, like the girl who discovered she was more than enough. Let us bloom. Amen. journey we have been on together. We made it through. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Oh, man. 
and I'm excited for the next one. Speaking of the next one, a few notes on release schedule. So for now, I'm aiming for one episode a month, which is admittedly less than I would want to do. You know, I'd, I'd want to do it more frequently, but I'm also a full-time grad student and I'm trying not to fail my classes. So that's a thing. Bear with me. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, shoot me a DM over there, or you can reach out uh, by email at artisevilpodcast at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, no spaces or numbers, artisevilpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, a few thank yous to every friend that encouraged me to start a podcast. Appreciate you. I see you. To Taylor and Ben, thanks for being silly. Uh, Jesse and my mom, thanks for listening to me ramble about stuff. I feel like I'm on the Grammys right now. <laughs> so, um, And finally, to Sage Hyden, um, really appreciate his YouTube channel. It's called Just Right. And he had a video on Mulan that had a really big inspiration on this episode. So thank you. I think that is about it. If you guys have any ideas about art or film, movies, video games, books, anything really that you think would be interesting to hear me talk about, please let me know. Shoot me a message or an email. I would love to hear about that. I've already actually gotten a couple of you send me uh, books that you think uh, kind of fit in line with, uh, with the topic here. So appreciate you. All right. Thank you, guys. Until next time. <laughs>